This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Oh, this is hilarious. I'm having a little game of, uh, of operator. <laughs> a little game of operator here. We're trying to get Bob Holt on the phone. His phone's not working. I just got a text from Kylie Mag- Magar, who's the uh, sports information director for Arkansas women's basketball. I sit next to her at all the, all the, the home games at Bud Walton Arena, and uh, she's telling me that Bob just emailed her to say that he can't come on the show. Can, he, can she tell me? <laughs> Anybody anybody else have information on Bob Holt's phone today? 877-377-6963. It's chain of uh, communication time, right? That's what you got to do when when school could be out. Remember you had the phone tree? I don't know if you had the phone tree where, when, where you grew up, Matt, because you had teachers, uh, you know, living in your house with you. But we had the phone tree where the school made a call to two parents, and then they took it from there. And then, it, you know, then, then everybody ends up getting the phone call if you're not listening to the AM radio morning program or the, uh, the TV news, then you get, a, you get the call on the phone tree. We need a phone tree for all of our guests. Well, it makes me sad. I miss Bob Holt. I always like having him on. We'll but, get him on. We'll get him on next time. Well, we'll get him on next time or we'll get him on in the next 10 minutes. I don't know. But something's up with his phone, so it ain't going to work. Uh, so we can open up that uh, McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. I saw this yesterday. You don't, you don't get a lot of news that, that turns people's eyes out of uh, Division Two too often. Uh, remember Jerry Glanville, Matt? Yeah. The man in black Football on the coach. sideline. Yeah. yeah. The head coach with the Houston Played Oilers. the Atlanta Falcons, maybe. Was and he Houston? Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Houston Oilers. He coached Dion with Atlanta. Remember? Okay. Was he there when when Dion was doing his his duty his double duty Was he part of that? Because I, I, I thought so. they they mis, I thought they mishandled it totally the wrong way. That playing in a World Series game or playing in a Week Twelve game, it's like man, go go play in the World Series and and, and then come back the next week. You know, Dion did that in '93. Yeah, I think the, no, that would have been Philly, the, the Braves didn't make the World Series in '93. That was the Phillies, so that'd have been '92. That would have been '92, and he was the coach of the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember him as the head coach when you know Warren Moon and and uh, uh, and that team just, just Ernie went up and down the field. Yeah, yeah. Who was the receiver they had that would do that kind of? Uh, wasn't a moonwalk, but it was it, he would slam the ball and kind of do a sideways, not icky, not the icky shuffle, but it was a little bit like that. But that was just a fun team yeah, to watch. Was that fun Drew team to hate? Drew Hill was on that team. Maybe? Yeah, that's right. Jerry Glanville is going to be the defensive coordinator at Northwest. Oklahoma State University in in little Alva, Oklahoma, by the Panhandle. I mean that he's eighty two years old. You want to talk about somebody that obviously loves the sport? I know he's still been connected to the to football in many many ways since he was he was fired by the Falcons. I still remember him on on uh, Inside the NFL uh, on HBO, and I, I guess it's been a long time since he was on on that program. And since he left inside the NFL, I, I know he's still been connected to the sport. I just haven't seen him on, on my TV screen at all. And for, gosh, I mean, it was almost 15, 20 years there. He was, he was a weekly thing, whether you watched him on Sundays patrolling the sidelines inside the Astrodome or, 
various AFC Central or NFC. The Falcons in the West then, they were. The Falcons were an NFC West team back then. Uh, sidelines at uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And, and, and then inside the NFL for all those years. And now he's going to be going. Have you ever been to Alva? I have not. Alva is a rather small place. I know Tony Alva, who was uh, one of the founding members of Lords of Dogtown, who was a skateboarder in the in the early 70s, 80s, when, when, when all the skateboarding got going on. Yeah, before Tony Hawk. That's well, the only he, Alva I know. Yeah. If he's from Alva, he would be one of, like, like of maybe 2,000 people that live in, in, that, in that small town, right by the campus. And I've been there a couple times because Henderson played there. That's a school that's in the Great American Conference. So, you know, they play uh, the national champion Harding Bisons, and they play... Uh, you know, Arkansas Tech and uh, Washita and Henderson and, and UAM and, and Southern Arkansas. Uh, but now Jerry Glanville will be <laughs> Jerry Glanville is going to be riding the bus like that's a bus league. He, he was one of those guys that had those those colorful moccasins on, too. He had the boots, man. He, he would rock the, the, the boots. The yeah, he was he was OG. Well, he was. You, you call, he I remember calling him the man in black. Like Belichick's the hoodie, and like Glanville wore all black. If mm-hmm. I remember correctly, all black every game. And then there was the legend that people remember that he would leave tickets for Elvis for every game that he coached. I don't even know if that's true. I think that might have been true once or twice, but I don't know if he did that for every game. They, they actually have a halfway decent stadium uh, for Northwest Oklahoma State in Alva, and there might be room for Elvis's ghost to come there. Maybe. I'm sure he'd leave a ticket for him, but that's... <laughs> Heywood Jeffries. That one caught me by Drew, surprise. Drew Hill, Ernest Givens, those some of the guys that maybe were on that. Curtis Duncan, yeah, on that, that team. I couldn't tell you a single defender from, from those teams. Warren Moon is all I know. OG Warren shoot. Moon, man. Washington Husky, uh, Warren Moon was... Uh, he, he had a... Man, he threw one of the best deep balls. Uh, him and Randall Cunningham. I used to love watching those guys play. All right, Christian. Bob just texted... His phone works. That's what he tells me. Either okay. that either that, or Kylie got a hold of his phone and is playing games with him. So <laughs> go ahead and try, try Bob and see if we can get him on here for a shorter, a shorter conversation. Uh, Northwest Oklahoma State was 1-10 in 10 last year. Jerry Glanville's 82. He hasn't coached college football since he was the head coach at Portland State in 2009. You know, I mean, wasn't... wasn't was it was June Jones the architect of the run and shoot? Was that his offense? June Jones, Hawaii guy, uh, went to uh, SMU a little bit. Man, he was uh, kind of that that Mike Leach, that air raid running. Sh- yeah, man, he was uh, he was one of the first Timmy Chang out there in Hawaii. They would have quarterbacks that were were uh, I mean setting records. Kind of you saw when BYU would do that too in the in the eighties and stuff. It kind of went went that way. Well, I guess he worked for Jones also as the defensive coordinator at some of his stops across uh, across college football, and and now he'll be the defensive coordinator. That's amazing at Northwestern Oklahoma State in Alva. All right, I think we've got Bob here now with us. Bob, we're checking in here. Everything okay with the phone? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I know this will probably come as a shock to anybody listening, but I'm not very smart when it comes to gadgets. And it was the phone was supposed to be installing some new software. And it just kept uh, and it shut down and it wouldn't come back on until the software was installed and it was taking forever when you watch the little, the little line go across. And it, it, it occurs to me, I need to get your email, but, but Kylie from uh, 
the UA was nice enough, I guess, to lurch. I emailed her. Yeah. Anyway, so we, sorry about all that. We had a little yeah, fun game of operator. Yeah, it was a fun game of yeah. operator there for a moment, Bob, no <laughs> doubt. Um, I guess you don't have the landline anymore either because we could have done no, that. I, I guess I guess I should have kept that, but yeah, it was just extra money on the on the bill, so and I never used it, and you know, so yeah. Well, it, we're it make you realize how dependent you are on your phone. Yeah, no kidding, or, or any kind of communication, no doubt. All right, uh, so we'll do a shorter one here. You got basketball Saturday. Muss is talking later today. Uh, what's top of mind for you? What, what, what do you What do you want to hear from Eric Musselman when when he gets on the Zoom at one fifty? Well, I, I guess is this. You know, it was what they did uh, Tuesday night, something sustainable. And, of course, you know, it almost was a crushing loss. It, they played really well for most of the game to get a big lead. But, you know, A&M's a quality team. I certainly didn't think they'd win by 20 when they were up by 20. Didn't know that A&M would come all the way back and take the lead. But you got to give Arkansas credit. You know, they got the ball to Tremont, Mark, the guy you wanted. And he went down and made a really tough shot. Although I think A&M, if I was A&M, I would have triple teamed him and mm-hmm. made or whatever. Mm-hmm. Make ball. I thought, well, three things happened that really helped Arkansas. One, and I didn't realize this because when you're trying to write on deadline, your brain's kind of scrambled. But it, uh, Eric, the Arkansas called their last timeout, I guess, when Trevor Brazil couldn't get the ball in bounds with, I don't know, about 30 seconds left, which was smart to call because otherwise you get a turnover. So they were out of timeouts after uh, after uh, Wade Taylor hit that shot. But but Buzz Williams, the, the A&M coach, who's an excellent coach, called the timeout, I guess, to get his defense organized. And Eric said that really helped Arkansas because he didn't. He said we probably didn't even know who's going to inbound the ball. So they were able to figure out how they wanted to spread the floor. Obviously, get the ball to their to their best score. Let him go, and you know, A and M really gave token resistance to where he got up, got the ball up the court very easily, and then he just basically drove to the basket. And I get they don't want to foul him; they don't want to foul anybody. But I would have denied the ball and tried, you know, to make you know make him take a little more time getting it up. And then I would like I would have done whatever it took to make him give it up, you know. And but Buzz Williams obviously is a great coach, and I'm not, so I'm not sure what the thinking there was. But it worked out for Arkansas, obviously, and it was a huge win. And now they they got to try to build on it on Saturday, a very winnable game against South Carolina, who's had an excellent year. They're 14 and three, but they just lost at home to Georgia. So uh, I haven't seen a line or anything on the game, but I got to believe that that's a very winnable game for Arkansas at home. It's, it's a game they really have to have. Yeah, A&M was without their best player. Uh, we, we get them again February 20th, so we'll figure it out. But, Bob, I was just so excited for this team to win. It, it was good to get one in the win column. Uh, I, I thought Ellis uh, pr- provided a spark. I, I think he's he might be our quickest guard uh, that can get around people. He likes to pass. Uh, Mark kind of reminds me of Manu Ginobili. You remember young Manu Ginobili? Uh, just the way he's crafty and with his angles and, and, and what he can do. Uh, and then also Lawson. I thought Lawson played big minutes as well. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember Mono when, when he had more hair on his head than he mm-hmm. did on his head. But, yeah, it, you felt good for those kids because, you know, they've been 0-3 and, and the games really, except for Georgia, had not really been competitive. And um, but, but, yeah, L. Ellis was kind of a forgotten man, but credit to him. Uh, he stayed ready and when, you know, must decide to go with the older guys. And, you know, he talked about it. I think he had good intentions to play Joseph Pinion and, uh, you know, off the bench and play, you know, I think Layden got in there blocker for just a millisecond or something else for defense. But I think he had good intention to play those guys after they played well at Florida. But I don't think he wanted to start or he wanted to go with an older group because A&M's got, got an older group. And, and Eric talked to after the game about how those, uh, 
you know, Layden and, and uh, Joseph helped send a message to those older guys, like, hey, if you don't get your act together, you're going to be over here on the bench with me. And so, um, you know, I, I think those guys are still going to have a role to play moving forward. I'm talking about, you know, Pinion and, and Blocker and, and the older guys now. But if they're going to go anywhere, they need Ellis to play well. You know, Chandler Lawson's the guy that barely played at Florida, but he's a good defensive player, good rebounder. I agree, Matt. He played well. Uh, you know, Devo, before he got ejected, did some good things on defense. And so Eric liked that older group. That's kind of the group that was playing a lot of minutes early in the season when things were going better. And so we'll see what happens moving forward. It was very interesting to me, you know, uh, Khalif Battle, their number two scorer, who's been a six-man pretty much all year, did not play, and he barely played at Florida. But I think he's going to have to get back in the rotation if they're going to if they're going to do positive things. But it was interesting to see. And Eric just talks about, hey, who knows who's going to play? You know, so maybe that's a good situation where everybody's on edge in practice and staying competitive and not not uh, taking anything for granted. That's an interesting way to put it, Bob. It's like you don't want anybody to be comfortable on this team because why would you want to be comfortable losing your first three conference games the way that they lost it? So you can't guarantee anybody minutes. And I think you hit the nail on the head with that, really. It's like uh, I'd like to look at what happened against A&M in those first 16 minutes and say this is, this is the best that this team can be. This is the way they should be playing. But then, the, you know, the other 24 minutes it was kind of – not quite like that and hold on by their fingernails and everything. And so, you know, I mean, at least they got the bucket by Mark because we'd be having a completely different kind of conversation today if they went 0-4. But you're right. I mean, they can't be comfortable. But am I simple in thinking that some of the guys that got the big minutes against A&M wouldn't get some of the big minutes against South Carolina? I understand it's about matchups, but, you know, it's like who do you trust right now? Well, I think Eric's going to have a pretty quick, uh, pretty quick hook. You know, if some guy's not out there, you know, and if the guy's missing some shots or something, that's one thing. But if he doesn't feel like a guy's hustling to the spot on defense, if he's not rotating, if he's not, you know, going to the boards like he's supposed to. I mean, some of the guys, you know, are supposed to get back on on on, uh, on defense, you know, to prevent the break. But um, yeah, I think Eric, you know, at, at this stage, what, what are they? Twenty three. What ten and seventeen games in, you should have a pretty good pulse on this team. Feel for the pulse, and probably not as good, good as he has in a lot of other years. But yeah, I think uh, you know if guy's not out there doing what he's supposed to do, I think he's going to have a pretty quick hook. You know, and so uh, there are different buttons to push. This team does have talent. I just don't think they've played very well together. They haven't been very connected um, like they were, say, against Duke and even Purdue. You know, Eric brought that up, and I get that that's an exhibition game, but still. That's a talented team that came in here and played hard that Arkansas beat. And maybe Arkansas was more into the scouting reports or whatever, and obviously he was at home and the crowd was great. But this team is showing it can play well at times. It just needs to be consistent with that and consistent with the effort. Bob, uh, have you been keeping up with the NFL playoffs? I'm looking at the hateful eight. I'm looking at these this this, this round. This is one of my favorite weekends in, in sports. Um, I, I'm, t- I'm kind of leaning towards all the home teams. Maybe the chiefs can win on the road. Uh, give me a road team. You think that, uh, that could win this weekend. Well, uh, how about title town, the green Bay Packers? Uh, that, that's my team going back to when I was a kid and lived in Wisconsin and back in the late sixties. And, uh, you know, that was a great win, obviously for the Packers at Dallas or at Arlington. And, uh, I know the 49ers are the number one seed and they've had the Packers number of late. You know, 49ers kind of everybody's number late in the NFC, but 
Uh, I really think the way Green Bay's playing, the way Jordan Love's playing, getting Aaron Jones back healthy, um, having a big, you know, the, the Packers have basically been in the playoffs for about two months because they had to keep winning. They're, they're eight and two, and they in that span they won at Detroit, beating the Chiefs, won at Dallas. Um, so I think the Packers, uh, keep your eye on the Packers. I mean, I hope I'm not just saying that because I'm a Packers fan, but I think they have a legitimate shot to upset the 49ers. Now, nah, do you hear that, Matt? He went from unbiased uh, journalist talking about the Hogs to completely biased fan talking I like about it. the Packers. I heard the change in your voice there, Bob. We could all tell. Well, you guys, I mean, the, the, what I said about them winning those games, though, winning that, you know, the Cowboys hadn't lost at home all year. The Packers put it to them. Uh, they went to Thanksgiving did you know day on Detroit where the even bad Lions teams usually play really well on Thanksgiving? You know it's a short week and the road teams at a real disadvantage. They went in there in there and beat Detroit, who had beaten them, humiliated them in Green Bay. The, the Packers have they have the youngest team. I don't even think in the playoffs. I think they have about the youngest team in the NFL, and they're really starting to come of age. And Jordan loves. Uh, I think he's got in his last six whatever the number one is, rated quarterback in the last six games. Yep. 21 touchdowns, one interception. Those are Aaron Rodgers-like numbers. They're honestly, I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers had a stretch like that. So um, he's playing great. These young receivers and young tight ends, their offensive line is blocking well. The defense has kind of come alive after being uh, maligned much of the year. Hopefully Jerry Alexander is healthy. He had a big pick. And I think the, 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 I think the Packers are going out there with a lot of momentum, and they're feeling good. And let's just you know let it all hang out and see what happens. Bob, you're the best. Thanks for uh, thanks for playing a game of operator with us. Thanks to Kylie as well, and we appreciate your phone getting back on and you calling us. Thank you. Yeah, well, hopefully next week we'll be talking about the Packers uh, playing for the title. That's right, and another Razorback basketball victory. Thanks, Bob. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always an MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Go to the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Here's Dudley Dawson with us from Hogville. Dudley, how you doing today? What's new? I'm doing good. I would have been 29 at that moment. So. Well, you knew you know what to do with your all year moments then, and you probably were cool with En Vogue too. But when you saw Jerry Glanville is going to be a defensive coordinator at Division II Northwestern Oklahoma State, and he's 82 years old, I mean, what are you thinking at that point? Well, the first thing is good to know that he's still alive. I did right. not know that. hadn't hadn't heard from him lately. Uh, but you know, he was he was fun. Uh, for writers and commentators and all that, he gave great quotes. Uh, you know, had certainly had uh, you know some success, but yeah, good to know that. You know, uh, I hope one day to be 82 and uh, somebody offer me a job. Now, whether I'll take it or not, that'll be a different story. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep your fan hat on for a moment here. We'll get into the journalistic aspect and the analysis of the Hogs in just a moment. Uh, you're a Cowboys fan. Thoughts on uh, Jerry's decision and McCarthy sticking around for at least one more year? 
Don't like it at all. The uh, I think that yeah, he has had great uh, regular season success, but then again, when you look at the schedule, we haven't exactly faced uh, you know a, a Titan army every week. Uh, I would have liked to have moved on, especially with all the uh, uh, coaches that are out there available, but maybe none of them want to come and coach my football team. I, I, I don't know. That could be the case, you know. Uh, certainly, you've got one year left on Dak's contract. You've got one year left on um, McCarthy's contract. Now, if they don't do anything this next year as far as playoffs, then surely we're going to blow the whole thing up. Yeah, there's talent on that roster. I, I'm with you. I, th- I think I thought they should have made a move. Uh, I, I I just don't know. I know Dak is talented. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, what what do you think Dallas needs? Because so if you're going with Dak and you're going with, with McCarthy, you're going to have C.D. Lamb. Then what else do you need to kind of get over that hump? What kind of piece? Well, I think first of all, you've got to use your uh, your first two or three. Uh, draft picks on the offensive line and running backs. That, to me, was one of the biggest issues this year. Yeah, Tony Pollard had a 1,000 yards, but it wasn't that 1,000 explosive yards. It didn't come at the time that it needed to happen more than, than anything. So I think you've got to get better in the run game for sure. I'm curious what's going to happen with the defense. Uh, you know, they, they really played great. They're at the start of the year, uh, towards the end of the year. They, they, you know, to mention the run again, they, you know, they were able to be run all over. And they just weren't prepared for the game, whether it's a mental toughness issue, uh, whether it's a discipline issue, you know, it's just, uh, uh, I'm not going anywhere. Been with this team for 60 years. So I'll be here 60 more. Uh, but the, uh, you know, it is disappointing, although it doesn't hurt as much when it happens all the time. Hey, Dudley, I know another team that you're a big fan of, the Celtics. Uh, Jordan Walsh made his NBA debut yesterday. Uh, three points. Yeah, Got in there three minutes, grabbed four rebounds, got to, to watch it. Uh, I was really uh, happy with that the Celtics fans gave him a standing ovation when they came in. They knew that uh, it was uh, you know his debut, and I wish that three-pointer that he shot would have gone down. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's very pleasurable for me to see him playing in, in Boston. And, and uh, you know, hopefully he can come up and do some things and they won't have to go out and get another wing guard for that rotation. You know, I watched the Mavericks and the Lakers play yesterday. It was on the ABC game. And, you know, I'm a Luka Doncic fan. He had a triple-double. Um, I, I guess it's just LeBron and AD being too big. To me, Dallas looks like they're just a little too small to, to do anything in the playoffs. Yeah, I would suspect if they can, they're going to, you know, do something in that regard before they get in the playoffs. They've certainly played well at times this year. Uh, L.A. just kind of tossed them around last mm-hmm. night, and L.A. hasn't been – L.A. certainly hadn't been consistent. Uh, a good buddy there, Otis Kirk, uh, you know, is a, is a huge Lakers fan, and uh, uh, he he wants the coach gone, just like I did with the football. But it's uh, the consistency fact. Uh, you know, right now in the NBA, there are several really good teams. Uh, you know, I think my Celtics are great. Uh, I'd like to add another piece. But the consistency has been, I think, a problem throughout the NBA right now in terms of, not having basically powerhouse teams that can just go through everybody every night. Hmm, interesting. Uh, let's go to another team that you do cover. Uh, although, do you ever refer? You just referred to the Celtics as my Celtics. I mean, you you you've got a different sort of a connection than a lot of the other people that do cover 
Arkansas athletics because of your time, um, you know, with the basketball team, and, and, and we know all about that. Do you ever refer to them as my hogs? Because as a no. journalist, you got to have a different attitude about things. No, absolutely not. I don't know Razorback gear. I don't use the word we. Uh, I don't. I know it sounds ridiculous to people, but I don't really care whether they win or lose. You can't you can't do that and be. You got to take emotion out of it. Right? Do the right job. Yes, yes. Now I can I can appreciate that uh, I get a lot less grief when they win than when I, they lose because uh, obviously I wrote about the point guard and, and if I said he was a four star, regardless of whether I gave him that that uh, tab or not, it's my fault. Uh, you know, so it's it's better you know when they win. But no, I have no emotion in terms of. Uh, of college sports. So is there anything that you can look at in the win against A&M and the almost loss that it was and say that can be a turning point or are we just throwing that into the realm of hope that it's a turning point? Oh, I think it's hope right now. The, uh, they certainly played great in the first half, but for the majority of the year, they've been inconsistent on defense. Uh, I don't think there's enough distributors on the team. I don't think there's enough mental toughness on the team to this point. It certainly hadn't been uh, what they're doing. I know that, uh, you know, as, as the, the they say, uh, Coach Musselman's in the lab with a pen and the pad trying to figure things out. Uh, but they, you know, they got lucky the other night. Uh, you know, that was a, a great shot. If it doesn't go in, then you're lucky at 0-4. I tell you what, though, they, they better win Saturday. You cannot afford another home loss with the teams you have coming in. South Carolina is much better this year than they were last year. They have a really good crew. But that's a team you should beat on your home court. If you don't beat them on Saturday, then what you did, uh, it, what you did the other night is just, you know, it's just evening out things. You're not, you're not taking a step forward. No question. I mean, the taste is a little different uh, after that victory. Hey, I, th- is Devo able to play? He doesn't have to miss a game or anything being being ejected for a flagrant two. Is he going to be able to play against South Carolina? Yeah, that's my understanding. Uh, I, I'll have to go back and refer to uh, to Draymond Green and what happens with him when he does that. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, uh, that looked just like a Draymond Green move, although I don't think that Devo did it intentionally. Uh, I do think that, you know, that probably was the proper call when you do it by the letter of the law. But that crew the other night uh, was inconsistent and, and uh, made a lot of mistakes for both teams. And I, I knew we were going to have problems with the the amount of reviews that they started off with. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to the letter of the law, maybe so. It's just tough to get into the mind of a player and know his intent. Uh, but it, you, well, here's my deal. Here's my deal. I, I like to think I was a pretty good basketball player back in the day with, with Charles Valentine in Newport High School, but I never got into a situation where I was high enough that my leg was going to kick somebody. <laughs> That's right. It's only a select few of us that know what that feels like. Um, but it's something up. Something feels like it's up with Devo. I, I, I'm not saying like, do you have any inside info about it? But when you watch, it's like at the Auburn game, and I know that was a few games away, and he was much more effective against A&M. But there have been games he's kind of sat, sat apart from the team. Clay brought up a, mo- a moment from the A&M game where three players went over to help pick him up off the floor. He refused help from all of them. Um, there was, you know, this 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 flagrant two. This, this feels different this year for Devo. And I know that in his career, there's been ups and downs. That's always going to happen. But right now, it, just, it feels a little different right now. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a different-looking group this year. 
you know, I, I don't like to go out there and say there's chemistry issues in the locker room if I don't know for sure. But what I will say is these guys don't look as together out there on the court as they have in the past. And maybe that could be, you know, from uh, the mesh not really working this year. Uh, he's been really good at taking uh, all these new guys every year and turning them into a good group by the end of the year. And I'm, I'm saying postseason because there have been times, obviously, you'll go, go eight and 10. And you eight and 10 in conference last year, and you have four players playing in the NBA right now. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's always a mixture. It's always you got to get it come together. Uh, I think if they had lost uh, Tuesday night, we could have ruled out uh, any trips uh, to the, the NCAA tournament this year. And I think they would have been battling for the NIT because I believe at 0-4, if you had some issues already, you're probably going to have more at 0-4. Uh, you know, the 1-3 doesn't seem a lot better, but it, it did at the moment. Yeah, you know this this South Carolina game when you, when you kind of start a hole when you're zero and three. Uh, th- this South Carolina game is going to be very important because I look Dudley. I look at where we go next. We go to Mississippi, and then you get a home game against Kentucky. Um, it's it could get uh, it could get out of hand really quick if we if we, we this South Carolina game is very important. Yeah, you, if you didn't win the other night, you could very easily have been what would it be zero and seven. Oh, and. Uh, you know, because of the teams you're playing, Ole Miss is very good. I know they lost, you know, a game recently, but they're really good. And, and Kentucky, we all know how good they are. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people in the building uh, next uh, Saturday at 5 o'clock. But, uh, you know, you were really looking at it. You still might be looking at one and six, but you're better off uh, right now just for this win again you got to go out and, and uh, you know advance it and, and not let it take another step back on saturday hey dudley before you go i know um you know alabama's lost a lot of players into the portal washington's going to lose some players arizona san jose state south alabama with all these coaching changes you get 30 days and we know this um i know arkansas has been focusing on a couple guys on the offensive line that they missed out on uh, there's still a chance potentially to fortify this offensive line. And do you think they're going after linebackers right now in the portal? Because that's a position of need. Absolutely. I think those are the two positions they still are, are, are hot after. Uh, they've got basically 30 new newcomers they're going to have on the team right now. Uh, 13 from the transfer portal and 17 from uh, you know the high school class. Uh, 26 of those are on campus right now. And... Uh, uh, you know, just started that, but you still have got to have a little bit more than you've got, and I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, if we see some different, different names start popping up here real quick of guys who, like you mentioned, there are coaches that have left, and that opens up a new loophole that I didn't know about until uh, earlier this week. Well, I, uh, I know you're I know your Cowboys lost. I want to get get from you one road team you think can win uh, a game this weekend because right now I'm I'm kind of struggling to find one. Maybe the Chiefs. I don't know if the Buffalo Bills. Their defense is a little depleted, but but how you know how how confident I am with, with into the Chiefs. Do you have uh, give me a road team that c- that can win this weekend? You know the I I'd, I'd, I'd like to say uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, because I feel like they've got something going there with, with Baker. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, his biggest loss was on Dixon Street, uh, but, uh, he 
he is a guy who can get hot. And uh, they've got a decent team that has some veterans they've been there for. But really, I think it's going to be uh, straight home wins this weekend. And, and, and if you take out Kansas City, for sure. I think Kansas City always has a shot. But Buffalo, you know, may be the may be the Streaky. The They're kind of hot right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Josh Allen can play. I mean, that run the other night for like 56 yards was just uh, – it was brilliant. The old fake out of I'm about to go down and just kept going. I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd trade for Dak right up right now. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, I think I would too. Yeah. Dudley, appreciate you, man. And we're like a month away from pitchers and catchers and Arkansas baseball getting started. So we'll we'll definitely have you on again and get into that some uh, in maybe a few weeks, okay? Man, I can't wait. It's beautiful. It's getting to the beautiful time of the year. You got it. Thanks, Dudley. Dudley Dawson from Hogville. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Let's see, it is 29 days from Arkansas baseball. 29, it is Eric Dickerson, probably the greatest football player to wear number 29. Uh, Ken Dryden wore number 29. He's a longtime uh, star in the NHL. Did Dryden play for the Montreal Canadiens? I think he did. He was a six-time cup winner. Dickerson never played in the Super Bowl. One of the crazy things about Dickerson is as good as he was, I only remember his teams making it to even a championship game, like an, N- an NFC championship game uh, once. He had those glasses. Yep. Uh, goggles. Yeah. yeah, the goggles, the Kurt Rambis. He was, uh, he was a stud. He was part of that SMU, uh, that SMU class. With, was that Kurt James? That was uh, that was Bruce, that was uh, Bruce James. No, not Bruce James. That's a Razorback guy, Craig James. Craig James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who I think wasn't. Um, didn't Lee Corso replace Craig James on game day? I think he did. Wow. James James went to call games. I think he left the studio and went to call games. Or was it Herb Street that replaced Craig James? I think it was either one of them. I can't remember exactly. Um, and it's been a minute since we've heard from Craig James. Uh, Eric Berry wore 29. Rod, it's a big baseball number. Rod Carew, Adrian Beltry. Beltry's got, there's a big debate as to whether or not Beltry should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he should. <laughs> He's got over 500 home runs, 3,000 base hits. Uh, I think that's a first ballot guy. Smoltz wore 29. Catfish Hunter, 29. It's a good number. Uh, Barry Foster wore number 29. That's right. Jamie May texted that in. Former Razorback. And he wore uh, 29 with the Steelers. He was a he, he was a conference rushing champion. I don't remember if he led the NFL in rushing that uh, second year in the NFL. But I always remember Barry Foster was the guy. I've never seen it. I haven't seen anybody do this too often, and he was the first that I saw do it. 
I think he forgot the rules about returning a kickoff in a game against the Niners. His rookie season, he's there as a kickoff returner, let the ball bounce, and let San Francisco recover it like mm. it was a punt. Mm. <laughs> and then he's the starting running back next year, and he ran for over 1,600 yards, and he was just fine. Yeah, he wore 29-2. Um so it is 29 days until Arkansas baseball begins. There's so much talk on the pitchers and the star pitchers and the guys that, you know, are, are potentially going to be big leaguers in the future. And one guy that <clears throat> I don't think he's been hit on all that much is the kind of pitcher for me that you kind of have to have uh, in order to make a deep run in the college postseason and to be a really dominant SEC team. And it's, the kind of pitcher that can start, that can relieve, that can inherit base runners, that you can trust to throw strikes, that can give you two outs, three outs if you need it, or can give you six or seven innings if you need it. And it's, it's Will McIntyre. I mean, he could end up being a real key to a big-time season for any program because of how versatile he is as a pitcher and the fact that you always anticipate that he's going to throw strikes. Um, so for all the talk on, on Hagen Smith and for all the talk on Brady Tigert and Mason Molina and Gage Wood and Ben Bybee and Christian Fouch uh, and Gabe Gackle and Hunter Dietz and, and Tate McGuire and all these great young freshman arms, it could end up being the guy who is truthfully like McIntyre, Matt, he would be a Mr. Razorback. He would be like a KJ. He would be like a Devo. Now, neither of their seasons went the directions that we hoped that they would, and there's plenty of time left for Devo's fourth season at Arkansas to, to turn around a bit here. McIntyre has been at Arkansas for four years, and he redshirted that 2021 season. Do they he did do, not pitch. Do they do captains for this Dave Van Horn? Do they vote on him? Do they have captains or leaders or anything like that? Would he be one of those guys? They do captains. Um, McIntyre would be the kind of player that you might vote for because he's going to be a quiet leader. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and he also is just – he's one of those guys that you bring in guys out of the portal and – and it's like, all right, so what's the culture of Arkansas baseball supposed to be about as a pitcher? And McIntyre embodies that. I think in very much the same way that Kevin Copps did. Copps throws harder than McIntyre, but there's sort of a little bit of that same style pitcher, strike thrower. You know, you wouldn't expect them to overpower you, but they can get, a, they can get something by you. I mean, Copps threw hard enough to get it by you. McIntyre does too when he's relieving and, 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 throw, and you know, just kind of maxes it out a little bit. Uh, but they've also been around. You know, Will is a kid from Little Rock. He's grown up all around uh, the Razorback baseball program, and he goes about his business in a way that's, I think, commendable because off the field he's as low-key and, and, and personable as you'll ever meet anybody. During the game, like, he's, he's perpetually pissed off in the game. He's fiery, like he, huh? Competitor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he kind of he's like two different people. You know, very, very quiet, soft-spoken, off the field. But he's got a sense of humor. I mean, he's not, like, silent or anything. He's not awkward. Uh, but then in the game, he just changes into this angry competitor where the anger doesn't overtake him. Uh, and, and he can use that to his advantage. So it's a guy who's made 35 appearances for Arkansas, mostly over the last two years, 19 starts. 
And and this is somebody that has started games, big, big games on weekends in the postseason, and then he's come out of the bullpen in huge moments also in the postseason and weekends in the regular season. Uh, so, and I don't know what kind of professional career he'll have moving forward. Um, you know, he just doesn't have that fastball that's ever going to impress the scouts. He'll get a chance at the next level. But, you know, he's already been here for four years. So if the scouts viewed him in that way, he'd have been drafted by now. I could see him sticking around in the minors and maybe getting a shot of the majors and doing something with it at some point. But he's not a Hagen Smith. He's not a Brady Tigert. He's not a Mason Molina. He's not anybody that's on this team. He is a different kind of a pitcher. And, you know, the thing that he is is he's a pitcher. He pitches. He doesn't throw. And he pitches intelligently. Uh, so I think he can be a huge key to uh, this Arkansas baseball team uh, this year. And I know they know it. And if you've watched this team the last couple of years, you're, you're well aware of that too. Jeremy in Russellville says reliever closer. See, I think, I don't know if I view McIntyre as, as, as a closer. And, and maybe it's my fault because I'm looking at him the same way that <laughs> maybe the scouts would. But if he can get out, he can get out. And he can get out in some really big moments. The pressure doesn't get to him. He might get that opportunity to close games. I just kind of sense that a pitcher like Gage Wood might get that opportunity, like uh, Kristen Fouch might get that opportunity. Maybe, maybe one of the freshmen, if they're having trouble puncturing what looks like a great starting rotation. Uh, but I don't know if I see him as a closer. I see him as a multifaceted reliever that's going to have a lot of different roles in relief. And I think if you have weekend starters that don't pitch well or somebody gets hurt, well, here's a guy who you know you can trust. Give him a ball on a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday, and he's going to go out and he's going to give you exactly what you need, the kind of performance to keep you in a game and have a chance to win a baseball game. Hey, remember to mark your calendars and save the date for the Greater River Valley RV Show at Crabtree RV Center in Alma. goes from February 1st through February 4th. They'll have special show pricing and financing available on all units including new and pre-owned. That means all of the leading brands like Grand Design and Forest River with the special show pricing and financing available. You do not want to miss the Greater River Valley RV Show at Crabtree RV Center at the junction of I-40 and I-49 in Alma, right beside the Cracker Barrel. You can go to CrabtreeRV.com to learn more about the Greater River Valley RV Show February 1st through February 4th. Stay with us. We'll conclude the second hour of half. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas, is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Uh, Mike McCarthy spoke already to the media 
and he says he believes in the direction, the leadership, everything's in place. He's not comfortable talking about himself, doesn't like talking about contracts, about player contracts, about coaches' contracts, and he wasn't going to start today. Uh, but he's, he's uh, asking fans to buy into them. Feels like a big ask. Because you buy in when you see your team win a division, but nobody buys in for a franchise that has such trouble in the postseason. Well, the, the, Through all these coaches and all the other quarterbacks, and, and you point to the ownership, and it does feel, I mean, as far as postseason are concerned, that this is a snake-bitten franchise. So they, nobody will buy in until they actually see them in the NFC Championship game and then maybe go from there. Well, Dallas, I think their issue a little bit is a toughness issue. Uh, you, you look at the teams that are left in the playoffs, they're, they're, they're tough, especially Baltimore and San Fran. I mean, those, they're, they, they're going to hit you. They're tough. They, it really hurt them when they had a couple key deep. They, had, they lost a couple guys that are all-world, all-pro, like just all-stars on the deep end. And so you got to start shifting things around. They're, at, they're able to ex- get, get matchups exploited on them. I mean, Dak did have a career year. It was his best best year. I, I think though they they have to get a little tougher. They got They got to kind of get that little that that mentality where we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna hit. We're we're gonna be the hunter, not the not the hunted. Let's take a couple calls. We've got uh, Cabbage Head here on hold first. It's the McClarty Daniel Hotline, and it's open all hour at eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Cabbage Head, good to hear from you. What's up? Hey man, it's good to hear from y'all. I, I just told the gatekeeper there that he, he, I, I had a chance to listen quite a little bit longer yesterday, and the bumper music was great. A and, and, and then you're talking about bands, Elson. I, I be watching Channel Five. Darren Bob did a special uh, interview yesterday, uh, commending the Cabbages for being together 40 years. So Which band is that? We, Sorry. We Huh? Which band is that? I, I couldn't catch the that, band. That's, uh, that's your salad bar top band, Mr. Cabbage Head and the Screaming Radishes. Vegetable-related rock for a healthier lifestyle. Veggie rock, yeah. There's a there's a cartoon that did that, too. <laughs> you were talking about Lou Holmes, Matt. And are you still there? Yes, yeah, sir. Here. Yeah, I guess the, the, the one thing I'll think about with Lou Holmes and and you know our county judge is, is named Holt with no relation, Steve Holt. He's really a really a good county judge. But anyway, Lou does one of the things that I guess I'll never forget is in the in the Orange Bowl, two of our our main players, as you guys can remember, were benched. They they went against uh, uh, Lou's uh, rules and regulations, and we still beat Oklahoma, just beat, beat them like a drum. And I worked with some people from Oklahoma, and, man, it was it was tough on those people, I'm telling you. And they made it tough on everybody. Yeah, but for Lou Holtz, I, I never will forget that Orange Bowl where he, where he beat uh, Oklahoma. Thanks, guys. Got a great show. I appreciate that, Cabbage Head. Thank you very much. But did Cabbage Head, you think that, that he could have raised a son that could have written a movie as goofy as The Cable Guy? I think if that was Lou Holtz's son that wrote that movie, he'd have disowned him. Greg in Farmington, you're next on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Hi, Greg. What's up? Hey, guys. Hey, Phil. Happy late birthday, brother. Appreciate hey, that. You guys, you guys were talking about uh, Jim Carrey earlier uh, and his birthday. Jim Carrey and Jack Nicholson both share a distinction of Robin 
robbing Robin Williams of movie roles. All right. Well, let me think like about the this mask. Here. Maybe was Robin Williams supposed to be the mask, or was that always was uh, the Ace Ventura? No. Robin Williams was the was in consideration to play the Joker, had Jack Nicholson turned it down. Mm. But the and later on down the line, he was in consideration to play the Riddler mm-hmm. if okay. Jim Carrey had turned it down. You know, I don't. I, I I can only remember one movie where Robin Williams was the villain, and that was a movie that took place in Alaska with De Niro. What was that called? Uh, Insomnia, I think, and he was the bad guy in that movie. Maybe there was another one, wasn't it? Um, one hour photo. Uh, he was a creepy guy that photo. worked in one of those old uh, photo uh, development huts. <laughs> you can imagine what would go on in there. Right, but like I say, I can just I I could just see uh, Robin Williams because Robin Williams was just uh, the comedic genius. And could you imagine him as either the Joker or the Riddler? I mean, I think they. That, I think they cast it pretty. It was, he would have been. He would have been too for for that Batman with Michael Keaton. I think Nicholson hit it perfectly. Williams would have been entertaining, but I don't think that Joker was designed to be as off the wall as Robin Williams would have been. And he's not going to stick to the script either. <laughs> You're right. Well, see. Uh, it was the uh, it was the movie it was the uh, movie studio that decided to go away from Tim Burton because Burton had already approached Robin Williams about being the Riddler because everything that happened with the Joker. So so Tim Burton was originally supposed to direct. Batman and Robin, where Val Kilmer ended up as Batman, and and Tim Burton wanted Robin Williams to be the Joker, but then they decided, well, we're gonna we're gonna lighten everything up a little bit, bring in Joel Schumacher to be the director, and they ended up going with Jim Carrey. Oh, but Robin right. Williams, but Rob, but Robin Williams was still the backup. Had Jim Carrey turned it down. Well, that's interesting stuff there, Greg. That's movie trivia that I was unaware of. Uh, and now I'm left in my mind of, of, of thinking, what would it have been like for one production? I don't think they ever did anything together, but Matt, could you have imagined like a Robin Williams, Jim Carrey production in the 90s of some kind? I mean, there's, there's only room for one of those guys on the same screen. You can't have them both in the same production. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah, talented, just absolutely talented uh, two individuals. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.